The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 12th chapter. As Jesus taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seat in the synagogue and the places of honor at the banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. You know we've been doing these envelopes for the past few weeks, and this is the last one. So I want you to see if you can guess what we're going to talk about, okay? The first week, we talked about giving for those in need, kind of like how we're collecting for the Boy Scouts, where you give to those who are in need. The second week, we talked about telling the truth, and telling the truth that God loves us, even when it's not easy to do. And the third week, we talked about, oh, let's see if I can remember this. Oh, we talked about cheering each other on. And we talked about how sometimes the biggest thing that we can give one another is some encouragement, some, a little bit of grace to get through the day. So what do you think this last week we're going to talk about giving? Yeah. God's love. That's pretty close, actually. Very good. Yeah. It's your birthday party. What? We're going to... We're going to work that in. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus loving. It's pretty close. One more guess, Ashlyn. Giving love. Giving love. That is very, very close. We're going to talk about giving everything. Giving everything? Everything. Is it hard? It is very, very hard. Now, how many of you think you could go home and give up everything you have right now? I would never do that. <laughs> Ashlyn is volunteering Addie. That is not very nice. <laughs> no. I, it would be hard for me, you know? It would be easy. It, you would rather get an arm chopped off? There is scripture about that, actually. <laughs> we will talk about that one some other time. It's hard to give up everything you have, right? But today in the story... A widow, someone who has no husband and has no way of support, just all by herself in the world, gives up the last two pennies that she has. 
Actually, they're not even pennies. It's two, two coins that make up a penny. Yeah. She drops them in. Why? Why do that? Are you going to buy a lot with a penny? No. Why is she giving that? Ashlyn. She supported her church. Very good. Why else? Yeah. She believes in God. Yeah. All the coins? We'll get to that. Yeah. She wants God to help her? Kind of. I think when we give everything that we have, we trust God a lot, right? Because we don't get to control what's going on with our stuff. Now, I'm not going to ask you to go home and give everything you have. But I am going to ask you, what can you give that you care about? You know? Care about yourself? I bet you care about your party, right? Now you don't have to give up your party. I care about the whole planet. And you care about the planets? We, we give what we care about. And it's not because we don't, it's not because we have a lot of stuff. We don't have a ton of stuff. It's because we trust God to do with the things that are most important to us, whether that's school, whether that's church, whether that's sports, whether that's money, whether that's toys, whatever it is. We trust God to use those things that are most important to us so that everybody can have enough of whatever they need. So that everybody can know Jesus. So that everybody can have food. Does that make sense? Now, it might not make sense right now. And in fact, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me as an adult. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. In this last envelope that I'm going to give you, again, put in whatever money that you want to. Put in whatever funds that you think you should. But on the front, I want you to draw what you can offer to God. It might be your time, it might be money, it might be maybe a skill that you have. But something that matters to you, something that you really like, something that's important. I want you to draw that on the front and see if you can use that in the same way that Jesus would use it for other people beside you. Alright? Alright. I'm going to pass these out. Oh, thank you very much, Phineas. I'll tell you what, we're going to have two helpers. Yep, you can pass them out. You can pass them out. Sound good? There you go. That's pretty good. That's really good. There you go. All right. Cooper. Cooper. Oh, he's got one. Thank you, though, Finny. Can I have these? Thank you. You keep that one, okay? All right. Shall we pray? Let's pray. God, we give you thanks. You give to us what you care about the most. You give yourself. You give your love. We ask that we might take what we care about the most, what's most important to us, and share that with others, share that with you, and share that with the church. Thank you for being with us, and thank you for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen. And the second basket. Very good. Phineas? The goody truck has a ride. The goody truck has a ride. The goody truck has a ride. The 
It's not, it's a basket. It's not a truck. Hey, Cooper. Good seeing you. Oh. Hi, Uncle Ian. There you go. There's room for everybody. Thank you. There you go. Thank you, Phineas. Thank you. Welcome back to bed. Oh, thank you. In the name of Jesus, Amen. This particular text is not one that I enjoy dressed up like this. I've got the long robes. I've got the best seat in our church. There's a very easy way for this to turn very bad for me. But... The way that the two texts connect, I've got two stories, and it talks about there, I think this text ultimately, ultimately tells us that there's not only just one way of experiencing the call of a Christian. There's not just one way of being church, there's not just one way of living life. In fact, I think our primary calling is to be changed. But... We'll start with the story. Now, Kristen might laugh at this, but a lot of you who have uh, studied um, in high school or in college or in graduate school know that there's always one or two people that really, they follow the teacher everywhere they go, right? I won't call them teacher's pets, but they follow the teacher everywhere they go. They laugh at the teacher whenever they make a slightly funny reference. They they smile whenever the teacher's smiling. They frown whenever the teacher frowns. They're, they just kind of mimic the teacher in everything that they do, right? You, you know these people. Maybe it was you. I don't know. In seminary, there were people who would follow a certain professor around, and whenever he laughed, they laughed loudly. And whenever he was silent, they were very, very silent. And whenever he was praying, they were praying. And whenever he was standing up, they were standing up. It was just everything. And even though I was, uh, I was very intelligent, well, I still am, I think, but <laughs> even though at one point I could prove my intelligence, <laughs> I didn't necessarily want to be a part of that crowd. But the crowd was overwhelming, the crowd was vast, and it seemed like if I, I at least wasn't chuckling, I stood out, you know? I didn't like standing out. I think we see a glimpse of that crowd today. Right before our text, right before the gospel begins, Jesus is standing in, uh, in the marketplace and he's teaching, right? And the scribes come up and they're starting to challenge him. And so he challenges the scribes back. He says, uh, how can you say, how can scripture say, my Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand? How can David say to the Messiah, sit at my right hand, if the Messiah is to come after him? And it's looking at Psalm 110, and it's a little tongue twister, right? Because you can't really, inside time, interpret the 110th Psalm. My Lord said to my Lord. How do you understand that? It's even harder in the Hebrew, trust me. And so the scribes kind of struggle with it. 
And then we have this nice little phrase in, in, in the 12th chapter of Mark where the crowd began to laugh. <laughs> the crowd really enjoyed Jesus. As Jesus was cutting them down, the crowd began to do what all the people in seminary would do. They laughed when Jesus laughed. They smiled when Jesus smiled. When Jesus was standing up, they were standing up. When Jesus was sitting down, they were sitting down. And instead of saying, well done, you get it. Jesus turns to the crowd and says, beware. And this is where this comes in. Beware of those people who wear the long robes, who sit in the best seat of the synagogue and devour widows' homes. Beware of the people who enjoy this attention just a little bit too much. Now, on behalf of this professor, he didn't ask for this following. In fact, he really kind of was cautious of it and did not enjoy it at all. But it happened. But there's not only just one way to be in the crowd. Because one day in seminary, as this professor was lecturing, I was inside myself trying to figure out whether I was going to chuckle or not, you know, being far too serious. And I had a friend right next to me. And this friend apparently saw my face and saw that I was struggling. And so any time that this professor made a joke, he would lean over to me and say, Ben, that was funny. Now, the reason that was funny, and then he'd go on to explain why it was funny. And since he was my friend, I'd shove him. <laughs> and, then, and then the professor would say something else funny, and then he'd lean over to me. I noticed you're not laughing. Okay, Ben, the reason that this is funny, and he'd, he'd just keep joking. He showed to me that there's a way of being in that space. You can still enjoy it, you can still laugh and all that kind of good stuff, but you don't have to necessarily be a part of the crowd at the same time. You can be yourself, you can be who God made you to be, but you don't have to go along with everybody else either. For us, what I believe this text is calling us to do is to be ourselves and to change. Once Jesus got done telling the people to be aware of what they were doing inside the crowd, to be aware of people who enjoy this fame, who enjoy this attention far too much, once people, Jesus said that, he walked over to the treasury and he watched people put into the treasury. And while he didn't condemn those who gave a lot, he uplifted the one who gave all that she had. Gave her entire life. Now, like I said, with our children's sermon, I'll say to you, it is hard for me to say, go therefore and do likewise. Right? Because ultimately, not only do I think that you will struggle to do it, and you probably won't, but I don't want to do it either. I don't want to give everything I have. Now, it's not that I enjoy this alb. A lot of times it's warm, and it's not that I enjoy the stole. A lot of times it scratches. <laughs> But it's that in, I enjoy other things that I own. I enjoy my running shoes. I enjoy my wedding ring. I enjoy lots of things. <laughs> ultimately, ultimately, it's hard for me to do. So what am I calling you to do? What is God calling us to do? There's this neat little thing in the Gospel of Luke that I don't think gets pointed out very often. But we know the story of the rich young ruler, right? It's another story kind of like this, where the rich young ruler walks up to Jesus and says, Lord, I've kept all these things since my youth. What else should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answers, well, give all that you have, or sell all that you have. Give that money to the poor. Pick up your cross. Follow me. And the young man goes away weeping. Well, right after that story is the story of Zacchaeus. 
We know the story of Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector, which often took more than he needed, and that's how they became rich in collecting taxes. Well, he's up in a tree spying on Jesus and probably just mildly curious at best. Jesus calls, down, calls him down from the tree. They go to his house, and somehow, in the midst of the conversation, in the midst of the atmosphere, whatever it is, Zacchaeus says, I'm going to give half of everything that I collected and give it back. And instead of... And Jesus, instead of saying, well, Zacchaeus, you're halfway there, but I told you to give out everything. Jesus says, surely salvation has visited this house today. Now, I'm not calling you to give half. I'm not calling you to give everything. What I'm calling you to do, what I'm calling you to be challenged by, is to give so that you're changed. Give your life Give your time, give your funds, give whatever you have so that it changes you. The widow's existence, how she saw life, even with just two coins that equal a penny, at least you had two coins, now you have nothing. The way that the widow saw the world was changed when she dropped that into the pot. The way that Zacchaeus saw the world was changed when he began to give half of everything he collected. The way that we see the world is, and at the same time should be, changed when we encounter Christ. The world is not the same after God says, you are mine. The world is not the same after God breaks himself for you and for all people. And at the same time, on a regular basis, we are reminded of that, and we continue to be called into change. It's not that you're not loved before this change. You are loved incredibly. Jesus loved Zacchaeus before he came down from the tree. Jesus loved the woman before she gave two widows mites. Jesus loved the disciples far before they were apostles. Jesus loves you before you were changed. And yet, the biggest mark of our Christian life and the biggest mark of our stewardship is to be changed. I can't give you a percentage on what that is, and I can't give you an amount. What I can give you is that when you're giving, whether it's your skill, ability, heart, life, money, whatever it is, when it begins to change the way you see the world, the way that you experience life, the way that you're impacted on a daily basis, I believe that's where we begin to meet God. It's in change. And so, over the next few weeks, months, and years that you struggle alongside me in this change, I pray that there's a God that continues to soften your hearts toward one another, towards the work of God in this world. But I also pray that there is abundant grace with you. Grace that lets you know simultaneously that the struggle is worth it, that there's a struggle to be had in this change, and that you are loved immensely, immensely throughout it. Before it, within it, after it, throughout it. You are loved. 
May this love and this change meet in your lives. Amen.